the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. It doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? No, I'm going to let you wear the clown makeup. Removing goalposts. How stupid is that? No drunkenness. He answered the question fine. We move on. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot him, shoot. The kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We got a lot of angry people on this podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to a New Year's end of 2021 edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. We have a long conversation coming up with former Giants Pro Bowl running back. That would be Tiki Barber. That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's welcome in the host of Blue Rush. That would be two-time Super Bowl champion kicker. Cue the bagpipes. It's the Scotsman, Lawrence Tynes, and his co-host, Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Well, guys, it's the new year coming in, so let's cue up some audio, some audio, as they say on the fan, as Tiki will be on the fan, of how we're going to start this week's show. Football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. Hope. Well, Belichick, Belichick had none, but Lawrence, <laughs> do you have any New Year's resolutions still? It kind of sounded like Patty Traina a little bit. You know, had kind of had that accent. That's not Patty Traina, I know. I don't, but because you asked me, I'll give you one. My goal for 2022 is to ride my Peloton 200 plus days wow. out of 365. That's, That's my goal. That's more uh, than once every other day. That's no, it's like it's like five. It's like five a week, right? So. I'm on good track. I started early. I didn't want to wait till January 1st. You know, I'm going to be 44 next year. I want to keep the old ticker going good. So that's what I'm going to do, riding my bike more. Paul, do you have a New Year's resolution? No, not right now. <laughs> maybe next, maybe, maybe <laughs> next week. Maybe, maybe next week. Um, I would say professionally, I, I, I would like to try to be a little more, I don't know if the word is positive, but try to not let these bad seasons get me down and get me down a professional journalistic rabbit hole where woe is me, I have nothing to write, uh, it's all negative. You know, maybe try to find some positive or some solutions because um, the last few years have been wearing on everybody. And I find it in my stuff that I write sometimes, it's a little depressing. Well, a little so, dark, huh, Paul? A little, a little dark, dark. Yeah, a little yeah. dark. Yeah, yeah. It's dark. been a you dark know, did, few years, so that's yeah. that's a good one. I, I like did that. that one. I did that last night. I I said, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I like to tweet. You guys know that, and I like I like stats, and I and I was like, I'm gonna find five or six things the Giants are really good at. Like nothing, guys. Like there's nothing. You know, I was trying even to push it in my favor and say, okay, they're top half in the league, and this it doesn't exist. Except I found one. The most obscure stat ever in NFL history that the Giants are number one at this season. Average punting yards against. So, like, the punters against the Giants average the lowest yardage per punt tied with another team. And then, additionally, they're also number one. I think this is an important category. Number one in, in kickoff returns against, 18.3-ish. Your buddy, so the Scottish kicker, Graham Gano, putting the ball at the one-yard line on so an that's, angle, right? So yeah. that's – but that's it, you know. And as much as I want to critique, I also want to pat on the back, too, because 
you know, that's just who I am. But and, man, there's and, not a whole lot. Did you find a treasure when you dug that deep uh, for those stats? No, words? but man, my gold? eyes were, you know, to take a quote out of Dave Gettleman, bleeding yeah. from watching and you know so what? much. It's, it's, um, there are stories out there, Lawrence, you know, there's a big locker room with a lot of players. They have stories and, and you want to kind of write them, but then you go to your office and you try to sell a story when the team is four and 11 and they say, well, we don't care about that. Who's getting fired? Who's who's leaving? Who's you know how's Saquon doing? What's Daniel Jones's you know neck doing? So it's very difficult. You have to kind of fight for those things. And um, my resolution is to fight a little harder for them to say you know this gets you can't just write about gloom and doom every day. Yeah. Minus to lose weight, eat less of the Cheetos on my hoodie, and eat more healthy things. Well, speaking of things that are negative and pessimistic, the Giants play the Bears this week. A battle of two top ten picks. The Giants will get both picks. Lawrence, uh, what are you looking forward in this game? It looks like we might see Fields, which I think the Giants would want because Foles might give them more problems, which is crazy. But what what do you like from this game of, of a team where really the result doesn't matter much besides strength of schedule? Yeah, the, the, the Giants sure. should want to see Fields. And I know he's improved as the seasons went on, but he's been sacked 36 times, and I believe he has 11 or 12 fumbles. So he kind of has a little bit of, you know, he's thrown 10 picks. He struggled mightily. That offensive line is not good. It could be a really, you know, good game, a c- coming out party for Zoe Carter, who's played really well the last two weeks. I mean, he really flashed last week against Philly. Wasn't talked about as much as the game before. But the Bears have a pretty good defense, man. If, if Akeem Hicks can play and you've got Quinn on the edge, you've got Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson in the secondary, and obviously an old friend, Alex Ogletree, who is a tackling machine. They're going to have their hands full. I think if Akeem Hicks doesn't play, they're going to be able to run the football because Seattle ran the ball really well on them on Sunday. So am I picking the game? Is that what you asked me? I I just kind of went on a... You're welcome to, yes. So I'm going to say, you know, again, I'm going to pick the Giants. I don't know why. I'm going to say they win a really close game, 23-20. to to Graham Gano field goal. Well, um, I'm not sure I'm going to pick the Giants. You know, it's always good and bad, right? Dexter Lawrence is out. COVID, you know, he's on the list. So that that hurts their run defense, certainly. You know, he doesn't miss any time. They should be getting a Dory Jackson back. That's good. Lawrence, listen to this. Kadarius Tony missed practice Wednesday. It said shoulder, okay? Shoulder. Now, you know, you have to really remember what ailments he has. Like, oh, no, shoulder, that's a new one. Okay, so far this year, he's missed practice with ankle, quad, hamstring, oblique, thumb, shoulder. I asked Joe Judge, is he injury prone? He said, no, he's got a good body. He's got an athletic body. He's until further notice, the guy's injury prone. And, you know, absolutely. You know, so that that's a problem. And he, um, if you think about it, he only caught what two passes against Philly, maybe three. Um, so he wouldn't have, three, he wouldn't have got, wouldn't three, have gotten think, hit much. Yeah. yeah so uh, look, I mean, I mean, Glennon is going to start. They didn't announce it. I'm sure Glennon is going to start. Joe he Judge said he, he, like he thinks both quarterbacks will play. I don't think I think that's just something he says. I don't think he needs to say that, you know, and then he was asked, well, does that mean you have a rotation? Well, we'll see certain packages and certain things. What package can they come up with where for Jake Fromm? No, 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 no. I think they can have a package for Kadarius Tony if he was healthy to play some Wildcat. That's what I do think. But without a real quarterback, uh, you may you know, you mentioned Fields and, um, you know, he's he's like a poor man's. Hurts a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, and the Giants did really well against Hurts that first game, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'm not picking the Giants. I mean, if we're doing our picks thing, I'm not picking them. I think it'll be low scoring. Yeah, this game is going to get really ugly. And I think he's saying there's gonna be, he's going to play both quarterbacks because he assumes one is going to be so bad that he's going to have to put in the other one. I think that's the judge philosophy in here. He's going to say, all right, I'll, whoever I start is going to have a terrible half, so at third quarter I'm probably going to put in the other guy. This is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be something like 20 to 13. The Bears are six-point favorites. The over-under is 37 and a half, which is usually 
the lowest number possible for an over under that you'll get for a game. So they expect this one to be ugly. You know, maybe the Giants cover, but this is going to be a Bears win. Sarah, fresh off your trip to the aquarium, who are you taking in this game? I don't know. Like from a fan perspective, like I'm super checked out. I think we all are. Like if we weren't getting paid to talk about this, would we even be talking about it? So I don't know. I don't think the Giants are going to win. And I think it'll be super low scoring also. I don't know, like 13-9, something like that. I don't know. Ugh. This could be like a, a two- for I just Gano really don't think they're going to kick. I don't it's think either a good gonna, or a bad day for Graham Gano. I don't think they're going to score a touchdown. I could see this being like a 2-2 two- two tie. Like, easy, <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> a safety for each of them, no scores. Andrew, are you, who are you taking, Hearts? Well, see, I'm trying to approach this week from a tankathon standpoint. And the Giants are 4-11. And the Bears, they are 5-10, and 10, and the Giants, of course, own their first-round picks. So I don't think the Giants will win, but I'm rooting for them. Because at that point, the Giants, I, I don't think they stand a chance against Washington next week. And the Bears are going to face Ooh. the Vikings. So I'm going to say, I don't want to take the Giants, but I'm going to say Giants will go, you know, another snooze fest, like 16-13 to 13 or 10, some some terrible mm. football game. So That's a good to be point, because if the yeah. Bears get to six wins, you know, that hurts the Giants. So you kind of want the Giants to also maybe yep. be at five. Because then they're around that five, six, seven pick range. So I, I didn't think of it that it, way. It's, but a quick, it's, it's an interesting thing. Do you want the picks to be closer together, like six, seven, or do you want like four and ten? You know, it depends on how you want it. I think you want the highest possible pick for one of the picks. Sure. Yeah, because that's a more yeah. valuable pick. But some people would say, no, no, four and ten, six and seven. Give me six, seven. It, it's, it's, look, it, it's fun to think about and, and discuss. But it's pretty depressing when you think about why they're getting those picks, right? And one of those picks might end up in Seattle's hands if Russell Wilson is coming to the Giants. All right, let's close before we go to Tiki Barber because we got a long sit down with him. John Madden, do you know, rest in peace, Lawrence, do you remember your top Madden rating as a kicker? What it was? Not very good. I, he, they didn't hand out very good ratings to kickers. I think 81, 82 was the highest maybe ever in my life that I got. No no Justin Tuckers or Vinatieri type numbers until You, you ever last. meet him? Do you, you have memories of, so, of Madden? No, I don't. I, I Obviously, he called some games I played in, which was awesome. But, you know, you grow up playing the Madden video game. That's how people get associated with who John Madden is. And then, of course, you know, the famous voicemail he left Tom Coughlin that we all heard the next day after that game in 2007. So he's an icon. You know, he's uh, he was the NFL. He was football. He is the reason a lot of people learn the game. I mean, there's so many people that know football that have never played it and never will play it, but they love the video game. So rest in peace, prayers for his family. He's an awesome man. Yeah, Lawrence mentioned that voicemail. And, and to me, John Madden and Tom Coughlin were very different kind of guys. You know, and I didn't know how what Tom Coughlin thought of John Madden. I'm sure he didn't dislike him, but you know, Madden with his boom and his bang and his, you know, with the way he was an announcer and, you know, Coughlin can be so buttoned down. And when Tom Coughlin told us the next day that, you know, after, as we know, it was in 2007, the Giants did not have any playoff positioning to play for. The Patriots were 15-0. and The Giants, you know, we asked Tom all week, are you going to play your guys? You're going to play your guys? And Tom's like, it's a game and we're playing and we're going to win. And the Giants lost by what, seven? It was a 38-35, right? Yep. A great game, and they played everybody. Got some guys hurt. Sean O'Hara didn't play in the playoff game the next week. And, you know, Lars Lawrence remembers his team got a lot of confidence that they could beat the Patriots if they played him again. But some of that voicemail that John Madden left to Tom Coughlin was, just call to congratulate you and your team for a great effort last night. Not good, but great. 
I think it's one of the best things to happen in the NFL in the last 10 years. It's, it was so fascinating that he, and, and Tom was so taken that this former coach would leave him a voicemail. That that always left him, wow, if Tom Coughlin thinks that, you know, it was like Vince Lombardi leaving him something. Boom. Tough acting, tough Boom. acting. You're, 2011, apparently, Lawrence, I hate to say, you were a 68 in Madden 2011. But see, they didn't have the weekly rating changes, right? I mean, no, as, you, I as think, back yeah. then. Hey, hey, Lawrence, what was your Madden rating in overtime championship games, I wonder? 99. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. But see, they don't have this weekly. Now they they move them up or down based on the week. So I always thought when they came out, they were kind of a joke anyway until they started adding these weeklies. If if they gave you an 88 instead of 68, you would have said that's real. But 68, you're going to say it's a joke. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, it went up after you won the second Super Bowl. So clearly oh, yeah. Madden uh, said, you know what? Let's let's bring him back up there. All right, let's talk Madden, Giants, everything else with Tiki Barber next on Blue Rush. Hey, this is former New York Giants running back Tiki Barber, and you're listening to Blue Rush. All right, joining us now on Blue Rush is a friend of the program making his second appearance on the pod. He was a Giants running back from 97 through 2006, playing his entire career here, where he was a three-time Pro Bowler and a member of the Giants Ring of Honor. He's been the co-host of Tiki and Tierney on CBS Radio since I worked there back in 2014, but beginning Monday, January 3rd, 2022, coming to a theater near you, he will be taking the program locally here in New York City on the iconic WFAN, Mondays through Fridays, 10 a.m. at 2 p.m. Let's welcome back to the show, Virginia alum, the pride of Roanoke, Virginia, number 21, Tiki Barber. Tiki, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good to see you guys, man. I'm doing fantastic. I mean, other than how I feel about the Giants right now. But other than that, things are great. Yeah, we'll get into the depressing side of things, which is the <laughs> New York Giants, as as we are rocking orange as they play the Bears this week. <laughs> I the know. Colors, mm, that's purely great. accidental. We'll call it Mets colors because, listen, now you come to New York where you will talk about the likes of the Mets and the Knicks, a couple other teams in orange, with our guy, a fellow Baldy, Brandon Tierney. Looking forward to that, taking over the midday show. It's not Joe and Evan. It's Tiki and Tierney. Are you excited for the move? Obviously, you live locally, so it must be nice to you know pay attention to a scene that you've been a part of for a long time now. Yeah, doing the national broadcast was fun because you didn't really have to get deep into anything, which had its benefits, but it also lacked a little bit of passion that BT certainly has, and, and I have as well. But it's also full circle for me. I mean, Paul remember these days, back when I was in the 99 offseason, I was going over to WFAN in Queens and working overnights doing 10 to 2 with Joe Beningo and whoever else was hanging over in the basement over there. And, and Astoria so, in my exactly, neck of the woods. That's yes. exactly right. But to come back and finally you know, land on the New York airwaves on WFAN, as you mentioned, is one of the most iconic sports radio stations in the world, really in the history of, of sports radio. It's exciting for us. So we're looking forward to it. Tiki, I, you know, I, I remember all those um, those years and you were doing that stuff. And, you know, when people say, well, Tiki Barber, sure, he, ju- he just he just walked into the job. Like, no, <laughs> he, did, he did not just walk into the job. You know, I remember you you, you worked on how you spoke, right? Yeah, your, that's your, right. your diction, everything. Right. I mean, it, it was it was learning from the ground up. So just because you were a, you know, a second round pick and you were running back, then you became a great running back. You know, people don't realize that you worked for that stuff. And I think that's a lesson for a lot of people. So many, so many players I talk to, you know, I, I've talked to some players and they say, well, I want to become like in front office and GM. 
And they said, yeah, but they want me to go scout these Division Two and Division Three <laughs> games. You got to do, man. And they go like, nah, do. nah, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, I want to scout Alabama. And it's like, no, you got to start at the bottom. Yeah. That's right. You got to start at the bottom. You got to start and learn it the hard way. And and you're right. I mean, that's back when, I see, what year, 98? I was hurt a lot in 97. The 98, I was just kind of like, eh. And I remember Mark Lepselter, who's my manager, saying to me, T, you got to divorce yourself from the game of football a little bit, just in case you don't make it. <laughs> so that's when I started doing some media and stuff. But you're right about all the things that I did. Paul, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember if you came to my bro- my off, off, off. I did, did. With, with the my, two, twin, the two that's twins, right. right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's called seeing yeah. double. Yeah, so, I saw it. Yeah. What Paul was alluding to, I took an acting class because I wanted to know how to project and stand in front of a crowd. And maybe this, this football thing wouldn't work out. And, and media would be my next endeavor. I took acting classes and it and it worked and it helped. And I ended up doing an off 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 Broadway play. Then I did an off Broadway play. And then la- two years boots. ago, I did Kinky Boots. So yeah. it kind of all came full circle in so many different ways. You were a low talker. Seinfeld would have called you a low talker when you were in an in, in interview. Hey, you but Paul, low- you know what? I used to do that on purpose sometimes. As I got older, as I was like, when I was 28 or 29, I was like, I'm just going to talk low so these guys can't hear me. So no matter what I say, they can't like quote me correctly. It sounds it sounds more more like you wise, right? Like wise when you talk quiet. That's right. You know, oh, what is he saying? You know, Saquon does that a little bit. He yeah, talks he does. Quiet, too quiet. You know. Hey, Tiki, thanks for thanks for coming on. Speaking of speaking of Saquon, that's where I'm going with this question. Right into the nitty gritty. Right into know. the you know. Obviously, right I've been I've been critical of him because. I just am. I, I think obviously he's had a down year and we're, they're playing the wrong guy. But do you have a, a, a situation in your career where you experience a loss of confidence like he has? He clearly has. And then you find it again, maybe not coming off an injury. But as, as NFL players, we all go through stages of, God, I can't make this kick or I can't make this run. And then you just find it. Man, he has been searching and it's been a long, long season for him. Do you think he he can find it again? I mean, he's a young player. Yeah, he definitely can. But Lawrence, I'm glad that you asked that question that way as opposed to saying, tell me what you think about Saquon. Because there's many things I could ask about Saquon. But you're right. I mean, the Giants early in my career – uh, because of all of that I was talking about, I was hurt often and I couldn't really, I wasn't impactful. They kept trying to replace me. And so first it was uh, Joe Montgomery from Ohio State and then Sean Bennett came in. Nobody knew who he was, but he was this like muscle hamster dude, pretty good. Then they drafted, no, 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 they brought in Gary Brown, free agency from from Houston. And then ultimately they drafted Ron Dane. And yeah, I had lots of issues with believing that I was ever going to get it done. Now, I'm, I'm a confident guy, and I always would work my butt off, but I just couldn't find the right path until I got the right coaching. And that happened with Sean Payton, because, and he's proven to be a genius in this regard uh, ever since, because he could figure out, he figured out how to unlock me, so to speak, right? You know, instead of running powers between the tackle over and over and over again, like I was a 6'2", 220-pound back, he said, you know what, let's get you out in the, on the edges and let's do some misdirections. Let's run these scissors plays, which you don't really see anymore. Let's throw the ball to you out of the backfield. And it just allowed me to feel good about what I was doing. I, I, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't quite do that right. It was, I know I'm good at doing this and I know I can excel doing this and I feel strong playing this way. And that's when my career started to take off. So to answer your question relative to Saquon, I think a lot of it is coaching. 
I think a lot of it is how he's being used and being asked to do. And he's got he's still got some maturity issues to do. Not not as far as, you know, as a person, because he's as mature as a person I've ever seen as a rookie. But as un, but in, uh, in terms of understanding how to have success on this level consistently, it's hard to explain that to him because he was rookie of the year and he was a stud doing it. But the game catches up to you, and you got to get smarter as you get older. Let me just follow up real quick. There. Do you like him between the tackles or more your style? Outside? So I, I actually learned to excel between the tackles because I was a cutback runner, right? I could set things up. It's it's all about footwork, right? And and getting yourself you know started in the right direction so that everybody believes that you're going in that direction. And as soon as you peep it, you got to eye it. You can make cutbacks and slash. So I was more of a slasher. But I think Gerald Ingram, who came in with Coach Coffin, taught me the greatest lesson that allowed me to become a great running back, which is don't try to make people miss because you're, they're too fast, right? The game is moving too fast around you. Take an edge and force people to make arm tackles, right? And that's what I started doing as I got older. And I, and I had to get stronger. And once I did, I was running through arm tackles and, and ripping off 40, 50, 60, 70, even a 95-yard run because of how I attacked the defense. I think Saquon needs to learn how to attack a defense as opposed to trying to jitterbug around them because that doesn't work on the NFL. Now, now, you know, Tiki, we hear so much about Saquon and we say, okay, he's been hurt, he's been this, he's been that, but he has a bad offensive line, right? Now, as a running back, you know, just like a quarterback to some extent, you're, you're beholden to the guys around you. Now, you played with some good offensive lines, but not always a great offensive line. So as a running back, when you see Saquon, and at some point do you say, well, that's BS because the offensive line didn't block. You know, well, that didn't work because the offensive line didn't block. And how do you justify that in your head? And how should we look at Saquon? Because we know the offensive line is no good. Yeah, so you remember when Joe Theismann said the New York Giants had the worst offensive line in the NFL? I think we rushed for 2,000 yards as a team that year. I think so. it's consistency more than anything. And I think that's the biggest downfall for the Giants' offensive line over the last three years is that it's a, it's a rotating cast of characters who have never gotten used to one another, whereas, you know, they, could, they, they know how to pass off blocks. And that's what I see a lot of, you know, passing off blocks or, or, or missed assignments that are just blatant. And they happen at this, right at the snap. So it's part coaching. It's part lack of cohesion. And for Saquon, I don't think he trusts it. And how can he? Because there's never been that growth as a unit. And then with him as, at the same time. For him to say, I believe that this specific play that I've, that they've called is going to work. The other thing is that they've changed coordinators. The Giants have changed coordinators so many times that it ends up creating a mismatch of uh, of, of a ratio to figure out how to get successful. Uh, and that's that's the hardest thing. That's really the hardest thing for Daniel Jones. Uh, but it also trickles back into the run game as well. You mentioned Daniel Jones, so we'll transition there, Tiki. Do you run it back with him? Do you, the, you Russell Wil- the Russell Wilson rumors well, are running as, rampant. Unless you can get Russell you Wilson, you run it back. <laughs> so if you get Russ, you'd rather go to Russ in that of situation. Of course, man. Every team. So I'm calling games now for CBS, and we did a we did a I did a San Francisco 49ers Seattle Seahawks game, and I and I was talking to Kyle Shanahan and uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo and the whole Trey Lance thing and like how all these things you know transpire. What's it like in the locker room? Is there, is there strife? You know, how did he feel? And he was he was dead honest with him. He said, and he was dead honest with us. He said, I told Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, you're not a top 10 quarterback right now. 
And in the NFL, if you're not a top 10 quarterback, you are going to get looked at to be replaced, period. That is just is what it is. Your teams are always looking for an upgrade. And if you're aware of that, and you understand that that's the reality of the position, then, then it actually gets it's relieving in, in so many ways. It's why Jimmy actually started to play well at the beginning of the season Then he got hurt again. And now he's got these ups and downs when he's got to throw the ball 35 times more a game. But I think I think the truth of the matter is, whether you love Daniel Jones or believe he has great uh, potential, the reality is he's not a top 10 quarterback. And so if there's the opportunity to upgrade or replace him, it's going to happen. That's just the nature of the NFL. Loyalty is not something that you etch in stone in this league. And, and I think sometimes as fans or as as observers of teams, we kind of want like we, we want to fake that loyalty. It just doesn't exist. It's not real. If you want to win, you got to find the best players, period. So let's take Tiki Barber, the general manager. Would you take a running back in the first round? If I was ready to win right now, yes, I would. And there are not very many occasions where that's proven to be correct, the correct choice over the last half a decade or so. Christian McCaffrey, probably not the right time to take a running back. Ezekiel Elliott probably was the right time to take a running back in the first round because, you know, we, we saw Dak, but let's not forget that was Tony Romo and Tony Romo's prime. Like he was, he was going to be the, the this next great, you know, top five quarterback. And then he gets hurt, never comes back. Zeke ends up leading the league in rushing. He got suspended the next year and almost led the league again. Then he came back his third year and led the league in rushing. Like they were ready to win that season. And I thought it was a smart move on their part. It ultimately didn't work out. And Zeke is having what people are calling a down year. Albeit he's rushed for 900 yards and has 10 touchdowns. Why that's a down year with two games to go, I'm not so sure. But still, he's he's had a great season. And, and, I, and I think that the Cowboys drafted him right at the right time. The Giants, however weren't ready to win when they drafted Saquon. Right. It, it was almost like we need skill position players and we need someone to be excited about. And damn, he was exciting that first year. But it, it wasn't translating to wins. And that's that that's that's what makes running back such a a non first round draftable position. Yeah, I want to say the top five in the league right now are all second round picks. The top right. five rushers right now. That's right. Which yeah. I was. And and honestly, if there's it's it's the right position to take a running back. Because it serves the running back well, because he's he's not beholden to five years plus a franchise. He's not there for six years, and so as a running back, you're almost you're almost better off getting drafted in the second round. Because if you're drafted in the first round, they can wear you out, man. They can wear you out for six years, and then be like, "All right, we're good. We don't need you anymore." Whereas if you get drafted in the second round by year three, if you're balling, they got to break you off. They pay you. Right. And then all of a sudden, you, you, like it, it feels like it just it, it flows better for running backs to be drafted in the second round because of that fifth year option. Plus the franchise, it really keeps them locked down for six years. You've been in this position. Team is just playing out the string. And, you know, Lawrence did not really have that, you know, in Kansas City or with the Giants. You know, they didn't go to the Super Bowl every year, but they were playing for something. You, you had a lot of scenes. You were playing something. You had scenes where you weren't. What is what is in the mindset of a guy going into these last two games? Now you're going to a place like Chicago. It's going to be cold as hell. Soldier Field. It's you know between Christmas and New Year's. It'll be right after New Year's. Is it? Is it? Geez, I really don't want to get hurt and you know break something and 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 have to go through the off season. You can't do that. I know, but I mean, how hard is this for these guys to do this and and try not to get hurt and 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 try to win a game and. You know, it's it's just it's so difficult. It's not basketball. You just go out there and you know dump That's the right. ball if you can. That's right. So I think 
I think this is where ownership means the most. At, at this point of bad season, this is where ownership uh, plays its biggest part. And you remember this, Paul, because everybody talked about it. When Coach Fossil was on the on, on the edge, he was getting fired at the end of the 2003 season. Uh, basically happened in week 12 or 13. I can't remember which one it was. And uh, he told us. He came in and said, look, I'm not going to be here next year, but I want to figure it, finish out the season strong and yada, yada, yada. It didn't matter what he said. But Wellington Mara also came into that room, and it was like, holy shit. What the hell? <laughs> like, he never talked ever. He never talked to us. Um, he was always there, but he never talked to you. And when he got up and basically said, I want to you know, look to your left and look to your right. Uh, two of you guys aren't going to be here next year. And this was with three games to go. It made like it made the urgency of I'm doing this not just for, you know, wins and losses. I'm doing this for my job. And I, I think ownership has that responsibility at this point in the season so that guys do play hard, uh, that they don't just lay it down. Uh, and, and you let it be known that you are being evaluated, maybe even more so than in week five or six. You're being evaluated right now what you mean to the squad. And so it is very hard. But if you're motivated correctly, primarily by ownership, it's actually not hard to go out and play hard. Well, speaking of ownership, the story got out there that Joe Judge is a lock to be back next season. Do you think that's a mis- you know, I don't know if it's official, you know, things could change obviously the last few weeks, but is it a mistake for the Giants to bring back Judge assuming they they lose these last two games and finish with four well, wins? If they don't see it as a mistake, then it then it's not a mistake. Everybody's got to be on the same page. I'm not anti Joe Judge. Uh, he's uh, to me he's not he hasn't been the biggest problem. Maybe some of his staff has been part of the problem, but he hasn't been the biggest problem uh, for this team. I think a head coach has a couple of responsibilities. You got to you got to make sure that you have these guys are getting coached, put in the right positions. Uh, you got to make sure that they are they are motivated and you got to make sure that they're taken care of so they believe in you. The guys who are going to want to be head coaches, that's who you have to hire as your assistants. As your assistants, not as head coach, as your assistants. And the Giants haven't done that. They left it on Joe Judge and he couldn't do it. Like he hired an inferior staff. And I don't know those guys, so I don't really want to knock them. But I see it in the way that they're that they're playing, right? You watch the Detroit Lions. They have guys who aren't going to be in the league in, in a year that are balling. <laughs> it's because they're so well coached, right? And so it matters. Coaching matters. It's not always talent. I know we want to put it all on talent. Oh, the team's just not good enough. Oh, the left guard's not good enough. Oh, you know, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez is coached like shit. You can tell it, right? Because he doesn't step correctly. He doesn't help correctly on games, like things of that nature. It may be him, but it's also coaching. It's also the fact that he's had about seven different offensive line coaches in his ear all the time. I mean, they, they, the offensive line has been bad players and, and ridiculous amount of coaches. I mean, it's 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 crazy. The Mares are paying 30 coaches. <laughs> 30. That's we not had, a good thing, my, Our last Super Bowl team had 16, 17 coaches. They have double that. And you can tell, to your point on offense, the amount of errors and penalties. Defense, I love the defense. I love Patrick Graham. I love that staff. They just need a couple of guys, But and Blake comes back next year. But the offense needs a whole redo, reboot. I agreed 100%. Now, who, the question is, is Joe Judge the guy to lead that? And if he is, you keep him. Tiki Barber, Tiki and Tierney starts Monday on WFAN. John Madden, rest in peace. Any memories uh, you had with the legend? And, and do you know what your best rating in Madden was over the years? 
I, I do not know. Um, and I never got a chance to personally meet him other than in the production meetings, you know, before some of the games that we did. But he's a legend, man, multi-generational legend, as I texted uh, with Paul earlier today. He just he, he transcended so much. And he's the, the soundtrack to so many people's introduction to the NFL, whether it was listening to him or through his video game. My brother got to know him uh, pretty well because he did games for Fox and they had some retreats out at his house and uh, he spent some time with them and he has such a reverence for it, it, the simplicity with which he talks about a kid's game. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it, it, he's going to be missed for sure. By the way, I guess 2006, 2007, you were a 95 in Madden, which is, is a pretty elite. Okay. So you definitely, I'll take uh, that. I'll take I, that. Tiki, Tiki was a beast. I remember playing with okay. him when I was in college. Like, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, he was. I was always. Don't age me, Lawrence. Well, yeah, Tiki, yeah. I'll age you. This is behind me is a 2000 Super Bowl commemorative jersey. It was like I was nine years old. It was like bring wear a jersey to school day. So it was like it was expensive. Whatever. I'm like, mom, can I get a Tiki Barber jersey? Because you were my favorite player at the time. And here it is. Somehow still fits me. It must be a double XL, or I was a fat ass eating <laughs> Cheetos in 2000 as well. Because 20 years later, it's still on strong. I hung it behind so you could see it. But uh, it's it. pretty amazing. 20 years later. All right, last one for you. I asked your partner this. On Gangs All Here podcast, Brandon Tierney. Are you worried about callers and critics coming into the fan? Because we all have haters. We know there are some fans who don't like you. We love you here, but there are fans who don't. Are you worried about some Joe from Long Island calling into the fan saying, you know, screw you, Tiki, blah, blah, blah. Are you worried about those critics or is the dump button going to be coming a lot? Dump button, Tiki. Just you dump, great them. Producers. dump them. No, you got to yeah. take that. You you know I love, I love adversity because – because I don't think that so much of what people want to hate me for, I think, is misunderstood. So I can't I'm actually looking forward to the opportunity to just talk to people. I don't care if you still hate me, then you still hate me. But I like I I don't I mean, I love that. I love that. It's about sports talk radio. I hope in time because I've been doing this for a long time, nine years on CBS Sports Radio. But I've been doing so many other things from the Yes Network to Fox News. I, I mean, I've been all over the world and all over the map in the media space. So I'm looking forward to New York's energy, New York's cynicism, New York's love, New York's hate, all of it, because that's what that's what you do, right? Joe and Stan Island, Tiki, I still hate you. Screw you, Joe. It's going to – And I'll say, Joe, why do you hate me? It's going to be like a therapy session. <laughs> Just kill yeah. it with kindness. Exactly. Lawrence, there was a reason when I was playing that defensive backs and linebackers would pick me up off the ground on the other team. They would pick me up off the ground. You kill them hell, with Our own linemen don't even pick up Saquon. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Tiki, the guy, the, the, the sports writers would run down from the press box, run on the field and try to pick you up. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure your, your your windpipe wasn't broken so you could talk to us after the game, you know? I, you know I was going to be there always, always. I had never lacked for uh, an opinion. <laughs> you used to take a long time, though, after games. I did. You got to look good in front of the camera, though, Paul. Dude, Dude, he's, Paul, I would sit there. I, I'm like, you gotta, I, I mean, you gotta clean up. He, he would. He would clean up nice. Yes, yeah, you gotta he clean up, up for nice. the Zoom sessions that come after the game. It's 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 a different different <laughs> oh, world. Yeah. We're, well, we're looking forward to Tiki. I'm hoping to hear you sing on there. You know, a couple of years ago, you sang "Chestnuts Roasting" on That's an right. open fire for me. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. There you go. I did. That was fun. Yeah, that well, was in because you said you your karaoke go to, I think, was Sunday morning Maroon Five, and that you sing your kids to sleep back in the day. That's right. That's right. That's when they were babies. God, I have a 19-year-old and a 6'5", 18-year-old. I don't get it. But Do both your boys look down to you now, Tiki, physically? Uh, AJ, AJ's just a little bit 
like a little bit taller, so he's Jason? not really looking down. Chasing six yeah. five, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Six Lawrence, five. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Don't ask. I've got one of my four, one of my fourteen year olds is almost six foot. Really? Uh, yeah. And I'm six uh, one, so he's gonna blow by me. Oh, bro. he's gonna blow up. Yeah. So, but they're they're both Ivy Leagues, which I love. It's awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. But the good thing I started five twenty nine because they don't give scholarships. <laughs> Five, well, a smart family, hopefully a family full of running. Do they play football or? Wide receivers. They're both wide receivers. Um, Give me the 6'5 guy. Automatic. Yes. And Virginia didn't even recruit him. Come on. I swear to you. Did you see Ahmad, like, Ahmad Bradshaw's son just signed yeah, with uh, Virginia I Tech? I did. I but he, did. He must have done very well in school. He was recruited by Vanderbilt and UVA. Yeah, I did. I did see that. I saw he didn't get Ahmad's brains. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love Ahmad like a brother, but. Ahmad's not getting into Vanderbilt. He got he got mama's brains. <laughs> well, Tiki Barber, you can follow him on Twitter at Tiki Barber. And Monday, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm curious this dynamic, the new midday show, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. leading into Carton Roberts. It'll be Tiki and Tierney, WFN, 660 AM, 101.9 FM. Tiki, have a happy new year. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm going to call into the show one of these days and impersonate someone else. You better. I, ex- I expect it. I'll know your voice. Thanks, Tiki. See you guys. Happy new year. No drunkenness. All righty, Lawrence. Well, a happy new year to you. Would you like to close out this week's edition of Blue Rush? I would. Lovely new Cheeto sweater you're wearing tonight. That says cheerio to episode 97. The Dexter Lawrence, he's got COVID. I hope he feels better soon. Edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Well, Lawrence, did you give away your Chelsea tickets because you tweeted at Chelsea, which happened to be a girl, and not the soccer team or football team. You tweeted to the wrong person. But did you give away your tickets? I did. Thanks for asking. But it was a lovely family from Utah who runs a nonprofit soccer academy. Brilliant people. Yes, it was lovely. Yes, Gabe, they sent me some photos of the game today. A 1-1 draw it was. Okay, get Blue Rush a wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You could also now give us a wee five-star rating or big five-star rating on Spotify. I like to Spotify. For Polly Schwartz, Jake Brown, Sarah McCroy, and Andrew Harps, we're all here. I'm the Scotsman, Lawrence Tynes. We will return on Monday following the Giants-Bears game. Thanks for listening to Blue Rush all of 2021. Have a happy new year, folks. We'll talk to you all in 2022. Happy new year! Oh, he's got a good body.